Welcome to Delightful Discussions. We are your hosts, Maddie and Steph. We are two women bringing you wholesome content to accompany you as you go about your day. Today, we will be continuing our series on temperament personality types by discussing the choleric type, and it will be delightful. So before we start, I hear you have a life update, even though a short one, maybe? Yes. It is... May 1st when we are recording this Mm -hmm. and it has me thinking about spring cleaning Ew! in a good way or a bad way in a good way not in the way that you're thinking okay not cleaning out your gutters not sweeping your floors not dusting I'm talking spring cleaning in the sense of decluttering mm-hmm Okay, I can get behind that. I was scrolling on Instagram and saw something about decluttering. I think it was from Insider Business. And it was all the tips of like, keep it short, keep it slow. Don't overwhelm yourself. Set a 15-minute timer. It's really hard to get rid of things when you're feeling sentimental about them. And this article was very... Gave a a good recognition of that in decluttering. And it made me think about this conversation that you and I had. I think it was around Christmas time. I was doing a lot of cleaning and I told you I cleaned my bathroom and it was one of the best gifts I've given myself in a while. (laughs) And I was thinking about you and I the other day with, in regards to spring cleaning, because I know decluttering has been a part of your life recently Mm -hmm. and thinking how great would it be if you had a friend who wanted to come over and be with you while you do something really hard like decluttering who's just really like no you don't need that you have too many t-shirts like kind of gives you like the side eye when you're like why are you putting that 14th vase back in your cabinet (laughs) (laughs) or that 11th teapot sure and is that, this an, an ask? Are you asking me to come over and do this for you? I'm not sure that I'm ready for it. I think you would be... I'm too choleric. You have to be ready yes. for the choleric face. It would be the ruthless elimination of Stephanie's things, and I'm just not ready for that. Um, because you've been decluttering, so you're in a decluttering headspace, and I am frankly not... I do have a system. Yes, okay. I'm sorry, go ahead. However, spring cleaning has me thinking about decluttering. Go ahead. So let me ask you first, what do you do when you feel sentimental about something but also want to get rid of it? I don't get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) Plainly. Thank you for your honesty. (laughs) It it is my honest answer. I could maybe try to think of an example of something that I felt sentimental about that I gave away. But usually it happens over time that I lose the sentimentality or it's in my way too much. I could take a picture of it, I suppose, but it's just not the same. Um, Sometimes I ask people, would you you keep this? Would this Mm -hmm. be something that you would hold on to? That's helpful for me. What about you? I put it in another place. Mm. So if you were to walk over to our guest room, you would see a pile of things that I am not ready to completely get rid of right at this second, Mm. but want to get rid of. 
So I displace them into the other room or into a box or a bin or something for some amount of time. And then if I forget about them, then I know that it's time for them to go because I didn't miss them. Um, I have heard of that strategy. Mm -hmm. If you forget about it, if you don't use it, if it leaves your memory, Mm -hmm. were you that sentimental about it? Yeah. Yep, I did that recently with some things. Something that Cameron and I bought on our honeymoon that wasn't like a, it wasn't anything fancy. It was just something, we went into a shop and it was cold and we wanted hot chocolate, but they had Mm. a minimum charge for credit cards. So we had to find something to buy to get to the minimum so we could buy hot chocolate with a credit card. Mm -hmm. And so we bought this little Santa Claus Christmas bell and I wanted to keep it because we bought it on our honeymoon. Mm. But when we decorated for Christmas this year, we didn't even put it out because there was just nowhere to put it. So Mm. it lived in the guest room for a while. Now I think I got rid of it last week or the week before. But yep, the hangout in another room for a while until I'm ready. Mm -hmm. That's my pro tip. My parents also have a life hack of holding on to things that they're no longer wanting to hold on to, but still holding on to them mm-hmm. by giving us their things. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's, that's a cop out. Mm-hmm. It's a little jarring, too, because then you feel the guilt of not wanting to keep something that they wanted you to have, in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Sure. <clears throat> or you remember things that you forgot that you had. That were sentimental, but had lost sentimental value because you forgot they existed. That happens to you. Sure. If my parents are listening, just don't even tell me it exists. Just pretend it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> so when you rediscover those things, do mm-hmm. you not feel the, you don't get the sentimental feelings back? I do get the sentimental feelings back, but... I try to pick and choose what to keep, and it also helps that my parents live kind of across the country, and then you have to get on a plane, so it's not like I can put a bunch of my childhood things on a plane. Sure. You know? Yes. So they're stuck with them. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Unless you want to drive on the way across the United States. With the things. Yeah, which will happen someday, but... And then I'll need a new system when that happens. <laughs> yes. I have a question. Yes. Do you feel, when you look at your things, some things that you feel sentimental about, but you realize you're enjoying them in this stage of life, you look at them and you say, I'm enjoying this in this stage of life. However, if my life stages were to change, if there was a, as you're, health insurance says a qualifying life event if those things were to change do you feel like i am relatively unattached to this item and i could get rid of it and you have what i am calling for me a false sense of detachment to things but really i'm probably more attached to them than i think that was a complicated question that was a complicated question i know that was loaded you're asking do you have attachments to things that in a different circumstance you wouldn't have an attachment to? Yes. Or do you feel healthily detached is my question. I think I'm healthily detached, 
I'll say that, Mm -hmm. that, oh, I could get rid of that when the time comes. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how honest I'm being with myself. And I was wondering if you have the same conundrum. I don't really know. Because when Cameron and I got married, we moved into a house that was a lot bigger. So we both kept like a lot of our stuff. And then they kind of just became like our stuff. I don't know. Mm. And then when we downsized, it was just, we want to get rid of these things. So both of us, I guess, we're getting rid of things. I don't know if I can answer that question, but maybe it helps when you're doing it in a partnership where they're getting rid of things that are sentimental to them and you're getting rid of things that are sentimental to you and you're kind of doing it together. Mm. Helps. Like if I'm going to ask Cameron to get rid of something or for him to pick something to get rid of, I have to be able to do it too. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think that is my motivation for inviting someone like yourself over. Mm -hmm. Part of it is the choleric and part of it is maybe the accountability of feeling like I have a teammate in this, even though I don't know what you would be giving away in my house. However, I think that team aspect of somebody asking you the questions instead of you playing the internal battle in your mind of the questions Mm -hmm. is helpful. And I have one more point on that. Mm -hmm. When a little bit of a story, when my mom was asking my dad to help clean out the basement, they were going to move within the month or three months. I can't remember. And she sent me down to the basement with my dad and we're both very sentimental and, to be honest, we just ended up moving a lot of things around, but wanting to keep a lot of things and laughing about things and like, look at this and found like my second grade spelling book. And we were just laughing at my handwriting and the projects I made. And we didn't get a lot of accomplished, but you enjoyed your time there. I did. And I remember that story because it was just an afternoon Mm-hmm. like that would have been any other afternoon but my mom was like please just go down and help your father get rid of some things the basement the, there's a there was a one half of the basement that was just my dad's and so going down there it's like my dad's area like please just help him he doesn't need all these things it's kind of like the work side of the basement like the other side was finished mm-hmm. um and, and in, in Florida, we don't even have basements, but in the Midwest, you do. And it's yeah. a good place to store things and have things. And it didn't go well, but we had a great time and we laughed a lot. Whereas, so maybe it is part of picking and choosing your friend that is a little bit more choleric, down to business, going to get things done, going to actually help you and be productive and not like kind of be... I don't know, go with the flow and whatever you want to do with that item. Sure. Your friend is going to ask the hard questions. Yeah. Yeah, probably. We'll come back to that. Mm. It's a good segue. For my life update before we move on. Yes. My birthday was last week. Happy birthday. For all of our listeners. And we all know that I like balloons. And there is... No small amount. A number of balloons in my house that is on the cusp of overwhelming. Not overwhelming, the right amount, but just right up to the brim of too many balloons in this small house. And it's amazing. I'll have to put a picture on our 
podcast Instagram of all of my birthday balloons. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Yes. The text mm-hmm. message you sent me was very funny. Mm-hmm. Should I read it for our audience? I'm sure. I don't even remember it what was, I sent. Oh, it was so funny. It was in that same vein, but the way that you worded it, I just have to reiterate. While you're finding it, mm-hmm. um, my mother-in-law also got me a t-shirt for my birthday mm. that has a balloon animal on it, and it says, birthday girl. So I took a picture of me wearing the shirt. <laughs> In front of my many balloons, so that'll probably be the selection that gets posted. (laughs) Nice. So the sentence I'm referring to says, the amount of balloons in this house is outrageous, but also exactly the correct amount. (laughs) (laughs) True. True. They complement each other nicely. They do, surprisingly. Another cluster of balloons would not fit in that space, yet less would not fill it up completely. (laughs) So. No doubt. Great observation. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just see how long they survive. I thought about splitting them up and just having balloons in every room of my house (laughs) to just spread the joy. And then I decided on keeping them all in one place as like a a focused piece of art. I do like the display. An art installation, if you will. (laughs) It is a sight to see. I do hope you take a picture that we could post. I do. I already took a picture and we could post it. Great. Okay. Are you ready to move yes, on? Yes. That was choleric? a small life update, but I loved it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. No problem. So today for our temperaments, like we said earlier, we're going to be talking about choleric. If you haven't listened to our other episodes, go back to the first one on Sanguine and we give a little bit more background about the different temperaments and how we landed on this. But just as a short background, they were started by a Greek physician, Hippocrates, and they're still used today in psychology. Um, And they're linked to the Myers-Briggs personality types. So the quiz that we took is temperamentquiz.com, which seems to be more spiritual based, but is okay for all people wishing to figure out what their temperament is and i'm sure there's other good quizzes out there too or you can just read if i could have just read the temperaments i would have known which one i am (laughs) but today we're talking about cholerics which is me um cholerics are when we were talking about the other temperaments we were talking about their elements so sanguine is air phlegmatic is water choleric is fire and i have written down hot dry fire like the desert perfect (laughs) they're the natural leaders energetic go-getters type a personality some good things about them is that they can be assertive and active they're capable and effective they're determined goal-oriented um and independent and i'll say strong-willed too And then some challenging things is they can become a little bit aggressive. They can be argumentative. They can be bossy. They can be stubborn. Um, Some cholerics can be unsympathetic. They can be prideful, easily annoyed. I know another word that I've seen is domineering, which is not the kindest word, I will say. But maybe there's some truth there. Um, Going with our theme of talking about characters that are choleric this would be rabbit from winnie the pooh or badger 
from Wind in the Willows. I feel like I don't know rabbit or badger well enough to mm. really like understand what that means. So if you're like me, I would like to offer a more pop culture reference for a choleric woman in particular. So a good example would be Leslie Nope. If you have watched the Parks and Recreation TV show, then you know Leslie Nope is a force. She is motivated. She's passionate. She gets things done. She sometimes steamrolls Anne, who's her best friend in the show. And you can tell that she can get really angry when she feels like she's been personally wronged or when she feels like something's being done incorrectly. So if you don't know Leslie Nope, she works in local government on the TV show. So if she notices something about the government or, you know, something about her local parks and recreation is not for the people or is not the right thing to do, she gets very angry, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So usually this is when we both ask questions to the person, but this is going to be a little different because today I am the interviewee. And Stephanie will be asking the questions. So what do you have for me, Stephanie? Yes, I'm excited. Uh, first, I just want to make one note on Leslie Nope. We, we're both Parks and Rec enjoyers. Mm-hmm. And recently, Maddie sent me something on Instagram. And it was the top five names that Leslie Nope has for Ann Perkins. And it is, it is delightful. <laughs> you need to look it up. I, I, I will misquote them. But it's poetic kind of- land mermaid <laughs> or poetic land mermaid is the one that sticks out in my head. Yeah. You precious. I don't know. Yeah. I'm blanking right now. Well, I like the one that ends in, oh, Anne, newborn baby. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of a way of steamrolling her, but she is her best friend. So she means it in love and, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good that's a good combo. So, Maddie, um, we're going to start with the first question that we've asked all of our guests. Mm-hmm. What do you love about being choleric? Please I'm glad share. you asked. I wasn't expecting this question at all. Just kidding. That was sarcasm. <laughs> um, I love um, being choleric. I love being trustworthy. I think cholerics in general are trustworthy in their words and their actions. So one thing that we've talked about before you and I together, Stephanie, is that I will tell the truth. I do not sugarcoat things usually, maybe in like when I first meet people I do, but Mm -hmm. for people I know, I don't sugarcoat things. I tell them the truth. And I think that makes me trustworthy because when you ask me for my opinion or ask me about something, you can know that you will be getting the true answer. And also, if you ask me to do something and I agree to do it, it will be done. Mm. I may say that I can't do it or decline if I am feeling particularly introspective or aware of my current workload. Mm -hmm. But if I say I will do it, it will get done Mm. and you can trust that the task will be completed. So trustworthy, passionate, um, getting things done and being a problem solver. So being able to turn things into action or turning dreams into reality, like podcast dreams. Ooh. And 
Another thing, the last thing I have on my list that I love about Colerics is that we appreciate a purpose. So a lot of times, everything that we do, every choice we make, every opinion we have has a purpose behind it. Mm. Because we're analytical enough to think about why we're choosing that Mm -hmm. and what we're doing. So I think that can be... um, make us successful. That's probably part of what makes us successful. I know it's helped me in my job because I think about what is the purpose of this? What am I actually doing? What are my words actually saying? Mm-hmm. What are my actions saying? And so I think that makes us effective and I would say inspirational. Although I think that a lot of the other temperaments can have inspirational qualities. I appreciate the fact that cholerics do everything with a purpose. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. When you were talking about being trustworthy and getting something done that you say you're going to do, mm-hmm. the word that came to mind is reliable. Yeah. I like that word too. I think that there's a certain level of trust. However, that sounds very reliable to me. Mm-hmm. You just are an employee and a friend, uh, a spouse, a sister wife, mother, mother figure, uh, your mother to the boys, uh, (laughs) that can be there. Like you said, you're a person of your word that you, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. Almost to a fault. If I agree (laughs) to something and then don't feel like doing it later or don't have the energy to do it, or Mm. if I agree to something at work, sometimes I stay late or overextend myself to finish it mm-hmm. but that turns into more of a personal um challenge where i have to be aware that i will do what i say i'm gonna do so i need to know whether or not mm-hmm. i can sure. realistically complete it sure yeah and when you say things with a pur- you do things with a purpose mm-hmm. that is reassuring as somebody who is your friend when i hear that i hear that means our our relationship, our friendship has a purpose because you wouldn't be in a friendship with me or in a relationship with me as a friend without a purpose. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It may seem like cold-hearted at times, but I don't spend my time with people that I don't see something blossoming there mm. or I don't appreciate that time. Sure. So would you say that's more loyalty or is that a time effective or an energy saving quality or perhaps an analytical quality that you look at things and you gauge what is this importance in my life and how important and why -hmm. is this important? Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. I would say it's a I'm always thinking about purpose. So I don't think I can even describe it because I'm physically incapable of doing something without purpose. (laughs) But there was something that crossed my mind that I was going to say. Oh, this isn't, this isn't what you were asking for. But while you were saying that I was thinking, I also have to trick myself sometimes. Mm. So let's say you're going on a job interview. Okay. And they ask you that classic question, like, you're given this task that you don't want to do. How do you handle it? 
Have you ever been asked that question yes. on a job interview? Absolutely. My answer is always that I have to find a purpose for it or something good about it. Like if they're asking me to do something, they're not just asking me to spin my wheels. They're asking me to complete something mm -hmm. that's part of a greater system probably. And so I have to I kind of have to trick myself sometimes if I know I should do something and I don't feel like doing it because it doesn't feel like there's any, it doesn't feel valuable to do at that time. Sometimes I have to sit down and think, okay, like what could, what good could come from this and how can I turn that into a purpose? Mm. For example, exercising. I hate exercising. <laughs> I just don't like it. And if I just exercise because exercising is good for you, like it just does not happen. But if I exercise and I pick the exercises because it helps with my posture or mm. it helps me do stuff around the house better or makes me feel better, that's a purpose mm. for doing it. A deeper purpose. So that's something I trick myself into doing. Nice. Like, well, you're not just exercising to exercise. You're exercising to, you know, have better posture tomorrow when you go to work or when you go to that party mm -hmm. or you're exercising to not feel like a slug all day because mm -hmm. you have a busy day tomorrow. I have to trick myself because mm -hmm. I won't do it if there's no purpose. Nice. I like when you said it's something you can't describe. It's just how you are to have, to need a purpose that you know that you need a purpose. It sounds, I don't know Parks and Rec as well as you do, but it sounds like something Leslie Nope would actually say. Yeah. Doesn't it? Probably. I haven't watched it recently, but probably. Yeah. Which segues into my next question. Okay. What is important to you as a cleric person? Well, interestingly, the first thing on my list is purpose. We're back to purpose. <laughs> um, purpose, goals, and trust, which are kind of all things that we already talked about. But when I, how I interpret that question of what's important to me as a choleric person is kind of what values or virtues are important to me. Like trust is important to me being able to trust other people mm -hmm. because I'm trustworthy. And then, yeah, purpose. Purpose. Don't have a lot for that one. That's okay. When you say trust, sometimes I think when people say trust is important to them, mm -hmm. and maybe I'm looking at this through a lens of, some serial online dating and being a single lady. <laughs> when people say trust is high on my list, even if it's like in a online dating profile or they talk about it, it makes me think like, did something happen? Like it's, it's a good thing to value trust, but I mean, would you say you're a naturally trusting person or would you say that it's high on your priority list for a certain reason? I wouldn't say there was anything traumatic that happened to me. I would say as a, I mean, maybe some other people, but sure. as a choleric person, it's not really a traumatic response. It's more of a, a lot of little things. Like I have one of my biggest pet peeves or something I have a really hard time tolerating is when I can tell someone's being fake nice to me. Like if someone's Ooh. being fake nice to me at work, just to like, you know, whatever is happening mm -hmm. just because they need something from me or you can sniff it out. 
Oh, yeah. I could sniff it out in a minute. And it makes me very angry. Interesting. Because it's a lack of trust thing. Or a betrayal of trust. Yeah. Or it's, it's you're being, being... You're lying. You heard it here first, folks. To me, it feels like lying. Mm-hmm. And I get... I understand that the intent is with kindness and care Sometimes. most of the time. Yeah. Or I we'll, pretend that that is Yeah. The we'll case. give it the benefit of the doubt most of the time. Yes. But I can tell and I feel betrayed, which is a strong feeling for a normal social interaction. But I think sometimes that might be how we can come across as cold because we're not, we're not going to really like put on a happy face and like pretend to be nice. That's That's just not going to happen from a choleric. That's great insight. Yeah. It's good and bad. And sometimes the radar is a little too sensitive. Sometimes they are genuinely being nice. They just might have like social anxiety. So it sounds weird and it looks weird. Mm. But I don't know. It's just a thing. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to trust that you're treating me the way that you're, you feel about me. Mm -hmm. And that if you say you're going to do something, you'll do it. Oh, another example of this is we should get together sometime. Oh, like I want to, let's get together and like go get drinks after work, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You better be texting me to get together. Like we, there better be a plan put in place. I will not say that to you unless I truly mean it or you have said it first and I'm trying to like be nice out of my character, but. So follow through is very important. Well, yeah, cause they're. I don't know. And if you just say that without follow through, it's just a nicety. Yeah, it's lying. You don't actually want to get drinks with me after work. You're lying. <laughs> well, there could be a million different <laughs> reasons. Uh, but I'll give, I usually yes. give people a couple tries. Oh, sure. Sure. Like, you could, yeah. okay, like sometimes things come in the way. And, but if you say it to me repeatedly and it still doesn't get scheduled, mm-hmm. yeah. Nick's. Sure. And when you're getting to know somebody for the first time, so you don't know their mannerisms, would you say that's a difficulty or is it just, uh, something that you are continually taking the temperature of? So, you know, the social cues of somebody's being genuine with me. Someone's not being genuine with me when you first meet them. I don't know. I try to I try to assume that they're being genuine in the beginning. Um I do try to assume that, but just because of the way the world works, the majority of the time they're not. Just think about how many people you run into <laughs> that say like, "Oh, I'll take you up on that" or "We should hang out ourselves." It it just seems like that happens more frequently. The, the more frequent case is that that's just a pleasantry, not an mm. actual invitation. Sure. And then, I don't know if this is with other cholerics or if this is just me, but then if there's no follow through later, I feel bad about it. Like, I mean, feel, feel betrayed or lied mm. to or I don't know. I don't forget that you said that. Got it. I think this plays into 
the concept of getting things done, of being uh, a person who achieves or who checks things off a list very effectively. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I can think of to say it in this moment. And it blends into our next question. So okay. you can either comment on that or take it in the direction of how you contribute to a community as a cleric. Yeah. So follow through. Yeah. If you ask me to do something, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> take notes, everyone. I mean, <laughs> like a good cleric. I like to, I just want to say that I try to be very like accepting and understanding and kind. You I'm are. just saying in my head, mm-hmm. I feel betrayed and I do not forget. And I think that was probably a choleric that's not having a good time that could end really poorly. Mm-hmm. But a choleric that is self-aware and knows themselves mm-hmm. will keep it in check, which is, I think, what I do most of the time or try to do most of the time. Anyway, how you contribute to a community, um, taking ideas and putting them into action like organizing events or gatherings or birthday presents for people or things like that. Um, some of our, frank, our sanguine friends are often like, we should blah, 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 blah. And then I'm the one that turns it into, like, this is how when we're doing it, how we're planning it, etc. Um, one thing that my husband mentioned to me when we were talking about this is that he said that you keep things held together or that I keep things held together. So if we're doing some sort of outing, I know the details of like, what time is this? Where do we have to be? How close is it? And I also anticipate those details. Like, where are we going to park? Do we need a reservation for this restaurant? How many people are going to be there? Like what's, what's going to happen after this? Like all of those details are constantly running through my head. So I think it may be helpful for him sometimes when he's like, what time do we have to be there? Or what time do we have to show up? I always know. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely true. That plays into the type A personality, the detail orientation that you, the orientation you have to details, the, the magnitude of what you think of, I think is really helpful because People might think of a couple things like, oh, do we need cash to park or what time does it open? Or it might occur to people later. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if it's running through your head, these are things you have to get out. When do we need to leave? All all the planning, all the detail. Yeah. That's great. It's, It's excellent. Because for a sanguine, they need that structure. Would you agree? In some regard. I agree. The only time it turns problematic is when it's not my plan to make. Mm, okay. But I feel like I need the plan to be made. And then I become extremely uncomfortable and anxious <laughs> because I know that details are not worked out and I have to just let it happen. So I think <laughs> that that's very hard for me. And I try to just like compartmentalize that and just sit there and put a smile on. But internally, I'm like, 
okay, well, what time do we have to leave? What time do we have to get there? Like, how long is this going to take for us to pay our bills so we could get, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things are running through my head. And my husband, who is sanguine, is like, we're just going to show up and we're going to see what happens and it's going to be great, which is sometimes hard for me. Sure. Yeah. Disorganization. Not your friend. No. Spontaneity. Unless it's planned. Planned spontaneity. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Planned spontaneity. So you're okay with a surprise, a good surprise, mm-hmm. as long as you know you have some sort of plan or some heads up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's a plan, just like let me know that there's something going on. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this. It's with cholerics, we're kind of all or nothing. Mm. so we're either going to be involved and plan every detail that you let us plan mm-hmm. or i need you to do all of it so if you like if cameron wants to surprise me with something he kind of knows that he needs to pick where are we going what time are we leaving what time are we going to get there like he knows that he needs to be choleric about it and that will make me feel better i'll be able to follow a little bit better if he does that so that's something that he's had to learn, I guess, in our marriage. Is that if he wants me to, you know, if he wants to surprise me or do something nice for mm-hmm. me, he has to take over all of those things or else it doesn't work. Because it's all or nothing. Which is not always the best, but there you have it. You, like a true cleric, are high achieving and you are answering these questions even before I get them out, but how can you... <laughs> How can your community understand you better, given that you are a choleric? You you touched on this a little bit with your husband. I did. And I want to come back to how you contribute to community. Sure. I can flip back and forth. Yes. It's kind of a a very connected question. Go ahead. Yeah. What can your community... Actually, I have a lot written down for that. Can we do a choleric thing and go back to how you contribute to your community? Yes. The list is important here, folks. Okay, thanks. There's lots of notes. Okay. So, yes, organizing things, um, putting them into action, keeping things all together. Mm-hmm. I also said giving hard truths when asked. Mm-hmm. So that can be an asset to a community member. If you need someone to give you the hard truth, or give it to you straight, or mm-hmm. tell you what their honest opinion is, you can go to your choleric person and ask them. And also... Don't ask them if you know what you want the answer to be. Mm, Good point. So just know that you can use it as an asset or it can be something harmful if you're looking for a particular answer that you want them to say. If you're fishing for something, yeah, it's not going to work well. Unless they agree with you. Unless you know they're going to agree. Could I make one comment on that? Yes. There's one. I think that this is a part of your choleric personality, which I really appreciate. Sometimes you'll say, do you want me to give you my advice or do you want me to listen here? Mm -hmm. Do you want me to tell you the, the hard truth or do you want me to be your friend in this moment and just listen? Mm -hmm. And sometimes even when we get in discussions, not necessarily heated ones, but ones that we might not agree on there's a point where you say, do you want me to keep going? 
with why I disagree with your points or should we just agree to disagree which is kind of fun I think because I like debate and I like I like healthy debate and Mm -hmm. I think that you bring good points to the discussion that I otherwise wouldn't think of Mm -hmm. even if I have a strongly held opinion yeah because everything is well thought out because there's a purpose (laughs) for everything go on right so true queen no you're right that's something that's something I haven't always done that I've learned recently and I'm still trying to improve at or make it a little smoother when I do it I started asking Cameron like okay do you want support or a solution very nice see people clerics take notes yes great we take notes and we make a little our audience okay (laughs) I'm telling our audience that is a great choleric life hack I think yeah. Go on, go on. Yeah. Oh, you're share. telling our audience to take notes. I thought you were saying that choleric people take notes because we do take notes too. <laughs> That's good. It's part of your birthday gift. I gave you two notes. <laughs> There's a lot of notes to be taken here, okay? I, I figured. Um, yes, so we give hard truths. And one thing before we move on, um, we can help people solve problems. And Cameron also said that I could be a good mediator. So if you have a problem that you genuinely want help solving, include your choleric friend because they will have an opinion and they'll know how to help and they'll be analytical and help you work through it. And if they're a healthy enough choleric, they'll try to help you come to your conclusion and not their own conclusion. Mm -hmm. But... Um, transitioning to what the community might need to know about a choleric is you have to ask them. So this may not be a thing that's for all cholerics as well, but something for me that I do, I am acutely aware of the fact that I can steamroll and that I do steamroll. And because I'm acutely aware of it, you have to ask me if you want help or if you or if you want my opinion, except for my close friend group, I'll just give my opinion if I know that they'll be okay. But if you're somebody that's not really close to me, you have to ask me or take me up on my offer. And I won't offer it too many times because I know that if I do it on my own accord, a lot of the time it turns into steamrolling. So it's not the easiest thing to do, I think, uh, universally i think it's hard for a lot of people to ask for help and it's a very vulnerable thing mm-hmm. um and there can be gray area there but just know that your choleric friend needs you to ask them and they will jump into action they're just they just may be like me they may be acutely aware and trying not to steamroll you by letting you do it sure so. I, I know I've called you crying at least twice um, with problems. And I think that fits into the community aspect of having a cleric in your community that you're close with, that you feel comfortable asking for help. Mm-hmm. They are, like you said, someone who is going to mediate, who's going to help you come up with solutions, who's going to give you maybe the way that they see it. And here's here's what you would like to do. You know, even if it's like, would you like, would you like to come over and talk 
it through and drink some coffee? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to talk over, over the phone? Or do you want to spend the morning alone? Do you want to come over to the house? You mm-hmm. know, like it's, I think it's a comfort, honestly. Um, so for anybody who, like you said, asking for help is not easy, but I think it is a comforting thing when you are in a community to have someone who is a mediator, who is, has a natural tendency towards guidance mm-hmm. or at least will listen and, um, probably has some opinions. Um, but maybe that's better than some people who just feel like they're floundering. Yeah. And to kind of bridge the vulnerability gap, I've started to get better at offering things in a better way. Like instead of saying, let me know if you need help, that is not helpful. They cannot take you up on that. I mean, I I get that you're trying to be nice, but it's not always the most helpful. So I try to say an actionable thing. Like I would love to Mm. make your birthday invitation for you to take that off of your load. Would you let, like, could I do that for you? Is that okay with you? I love it. And then all they have to do is say yes or no. Yeah. So that they can be a little less vulnerable or they don't have to come up with the thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. They can just say yes or no. But then they need to be honest. Like, you can say no and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But don't say yes when you mean no because you're about to get hot fire. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot, you will not be able to turn it off. Yes. just you're not gonna hurt our feelings just say no thank you yes and we'll be like okay cool i'm glad i offered yes i have a follow-up question with that (laughs) as as somebody who is that's a a beautiful thing i mean when you just even asked me that in this moment i was like it's just like such a sense of relief even thinking she did do that for me this year for my birthday and it was just of course yes please like it's just wow somebody wants to take that on do you think i know we kind of talk sometimes off the pod about mental load mm-hmm. do you think cholerics have a tendency to take on more mental load because they are list makers they are thinking of all the details they they want to come up with the plan naturally so they take on more of the mental load like just you saying like do you want to make can, can I do that for you? Like, just think of like the mental load you just took off of my plate. Yeah. Because we're also good at it though. We're also good at managing the mental mm. load. Naturally inclined. Yeah. I mean, it becomes a lot. Sure. But we take on those things because that's what we can do. Mm-hmm. Another thing that Cameron said, because it's just easier for someone to tell you about your personality from an outside perspective, I think. Um, But another thing he said about cholerics when we were talking about this was that they slash I can easily compartmentalize something that seems overwhelming. So something Mm. that seems very big and overwhelming and unattainable that could easily make somebody spiral and not know what to do, I can immediately compartmentalize it into like bite-sized steps that are achievable and you know get through the whole thing because I can handle that mental load so the same thing yeah Yeah. I can I can break it up into steps and then I can offer you to do one of your steps or you know I don't know it's just I guess we are naturally inclined to a lot of mental load but also we're good at handling a lot of mental load to an extent. Yes. Yeah. I have another follow-up question. Okay. Because 
I'm melancholic, so we're just going off a of feel. We're okay. not going necessarily off the list. Okay. <laughs> so back to what you were saying about domineering. This brought it up when you said, like, I know how to make something into small chunks. I'm not overwhelmed. If you... <laughs> Draw a little scenario. What if you were the captain of a ship or the general of an army? I mean, would you not want a a choleric person to do that? I mean, to be domineering, to think, I know how I'm going to lead these people into a very scary situation, but we're going to win. You know, like that is why you're like a natural born leader is because those things don't necessarily scare you the way it would intimidate another personality type could you yes comment no. on that okay go ahead i was thinking about that when we had sydney on talking about phlegmatic okay and how she's water so she's cool under pressure okay and something comes up and she's able to stay cool and calm and take care of it mm-hmm. and i do think that is a strength of phlegmatic temperament types mm-hmm. and I think that maybe that's something we share. We're both able to handle challenging things that pop up. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that for a choleric person, I don't think that it comes across cool and calm and collected, <laughs> first of all. Okay. It comes across a little chaotic and elevated energy. Um, sure. And I, I don't know. This might not be a choleric thing, but I feel like me personally, mm-hmm. I excel in more of a slow leadership style. Like maybe if you have an organization that like you're working towards goals, or you're trying to achieve something really complicated and you have the time to break it down into bite-sized pieces, mm-hmm. great choleric person. If you're working in the emergency room, Mm-hmm. And everything is happening right then and needs to be done right then. I w- I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that's not your choleric personality type. I never gravitated to those sorts of interesting situations mm-hmm. because it doesn't allow me enough time to analyze and assess and figure out the right thing to do. Good point. It has to be chaotic and I don't like that. I want it to be organized. Got it. I love that. So it depends on the, it depends on the situation, I would say. Sure. Yeah. So like if you're a captain. example. Well, yeah. If you're a captain of a ship and you like know something's going to happen and you're like, I have to cross this really, I don't know. I have to go through the Bermuda Triangle, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, sure. Cleric person will be like calculated about it. They'll research it. They'll know what to do, whatever. Mm -hmm. If you just come across a storm hit or miss whether your choleric person will be able to handle it on the spot. Got it. Got it. Yep. All right. Any more uh, points on how you contribute to, to a community or how your community could understand you better? Yes. Lots of points. <laughs> Let me read here. Um, I like your list. A lot of my list we've already hit on. I do have a couple negative things about clerics that I would want my community to know. Mm -hmm. If I can offer those. Yes. So 
I know we can commonly be seen as argumentative. Um, and I want to explain that I think most of the time, at least for myself, I'm not trying to argue for the sake of arguing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no malicious intent. There's no pleasure in me trying to hurt someone's feelings or disagree with them or, or whatnot. It's the fact that we are so passionate about everything that turns into arguments. Like, we care and we have a calculated reason why we believe that. And we're so passionate about it that it just comes out loudly and sounds like an attack when it's really not meant to be. Mm. Unless you're in a bad headspace and then, sure, like quick to anger, whatever. Mm. But with a healthy choleric, it's not meant to be an attack. It's just elevated energy and passion. Because mm-hmm. I don't argue about things that I don't understand. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But if someone's talking about something like, I'm not really far into politics, <laughs> and my husband loves politics. Mm-hmm. So if Cameron's talking about something political, and I don't really understand it, and I don't really know why, I just don't entertain that argument. But if he's talking about something I know about and feel strongly about, mm-hmm. that can easily turn into an argument. Because mm-hmm. there's passion, and there's energy, and there's fire behind it. Mm-hmm. So... Maybe how you can translate that to other people in a community is just try to understand that we're not trying to be argumentative. We're just very passionate. Mm-hmm. And I think if you share your reasoning with us, we really appreciate that. Like, Absolutely. If you disagree and you say why you feel that way. Mm-hmm. We really value that you've thought that through and that will help us other than just saying no and not entertaining any, like not giving us any thought behind it. Right. Like that doesn't end up being very productive for us. So the dialogue is helpful. Yes. The dialogue is helpful. Like if we're in an argument, just explain why, if you can explain why you feel that way and It'll help us understand a little bit more. Sure. Yep. Yeah. So for all of you avoidant conflict people, heads up. I think it's hard for us to be in a community with avoidant people. Mm. It's a challenge. We're mixing like (laughs) personality types. Like Mm -hmm. I don't know that much about avoidant conflict styles mm-hmm. um versus i think it's assertive or uh is there like a new conflict neutral i don't i don't know much about it so mm-hmm. but i think that's helpful you know you want to create dialogue and if somebody just shuts down it kind of shuts down your passion and your it shuts down your need to understand your need to have a purpose yeah and truly what we really want, I mean, truly, honestly, what we want is for you to be choleric back to us. Interesting. We want Tell me you, more. We want you to match us and we want you to be strong in your opinion and stand firm and do not waver and tell us exactly why and have an intelligent discussion with us. But I feel like that's unrealistic to ask. Sure. You can't tell people just be 
just be better you know just be more choleric like that's not true they're like that's not uh-huh. fair they have different personalities so that's why i say give a you know if you give us a little more insight and reasoning where we can kind of understand your point of view a little bit better that will help us mm-hmm. yeah and there is something to be said about like matching somebody's energy or like you said having a relationship with somebody who's avoidant you're not going to understand why they just need time or don't want to talk about it or don't want to dialogue on it. Mm -hmm. You more or less need that, not conflict, but that argument, that debate, that especially if it's something that you care about, you're going to need that discussion to not only get your own thoughts out, but understand what is the purpose of your stand, your the other person's stance. Right. Exactly. Got it. Interesting. That's, uh, wow. I'll say as a choleric that I respond very well to strong leadership. You might think that you wouldn't, like a choleric person wouldn't get along with a strong leader because they want to take control. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just me, but I, it's not the case. If someone is a strong leader Mm -hmm. like for example one of my bosses right now is a very strong leader Mm -hmm. and i very much respect her and respect her opinion and listen to her and it's almost more comforting because i trust her leadership and i don't have to do it myself Mm -hmm. sure so if you're a strong enough leader that i can trust that you're gonna lead and i don't have to do it then it's not a conflict Mm. And if you're not as strong of a leader and there's wiggle room there and I feel like I have to fill in the gap because I feel obligated to because mm-hmm. of my personality type, mm-hmm. that's where it gets tough. Mm-hmm. So, so you appreciate clarity. Yeah. I would say a healthy choleric person appreciates another healthy choleric person. Nice. Even if they don't agree. Nice. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, in the world we live in today or as adults, we know that we're not all healthy all the time. Sure. Not everyone's ready to step into that energy level or get that heated over a debate. Like I could see a phlegmatic person, which I, I can't remember if they're like, they're not diametrically opposed because, you know, we're all blends of all four. Mm-hmm. But for somebody who's just going with the flow they're like (laughs) why do we have to have not maybe why do we have to have a purpose behind that but like why do we have to have a heated discussion about i don't know what something seemingly what the menu is going to be for the christmas dinner yeah (laughs) no i don't know i don't know yeah something like that or i don't know what is the right thing to wear to this event you know, like something seemingly insignificant, mm-hmm. I will just get really heated about. And probably the phlegmatic person will be like, why, why are we even talking about this? Why do you care? <laughs> Instead of just, you know, versus if I was having that conversation with a choleric person, they mm-hmm. would be like, oh, I disagree. This is what you should wear to this type of event. And mm-hmm. then it's just, I don't know, whatever. That doesn't hurt my feelings. But mm-hmm. at least you are strong in your opinion and that's great for you. Sure. So it's hard, and I think it's unrealistic to advise people to match the level of clericness of their 
choleric community member because that would be asking them to be a different temperament than what they are. Sure. So. Yeah. And and there's something to be said about leadership, breeding leadership, or that you, yeah, I would say you fit well into structure and good leaders provide that. They provide clarity and structure and they're unwavering and that's probably all things that you appreciate being yeah. a cleric. Like this particular supervisor we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that when she tells me something, when I ask her, what do you want me to do about the situation? Mm-hmm. And she tells me, I know that it's well thought out and there's a reason why she's saying that. And it's not going to change based on the situation. And like, she's not going to change her mind later. She's not going to tell someone else something different she's thought about it and she knows exactly why that's what she's telling me to do or else she wouldn't tell me that. And I'm like, okay, sure. I love that. Sounds like an, an environment many people could thrive in. Mm. I'm slightly choleric. So I, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. Um, like you said, in a healthy situation and we all have our moments and our, our baggage and, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So anything else that you want to comment on in community with Calaris? I don't think so. I think that was good. All right. So we're moving on to two of my favorite questions, which are kind of joint questions. Yes. That I like to ask as a joint question, but you're welcome to break it up. How, and we've asked this to each temperament. How do you grieve as a cleric and on the other side of that coin, how do you experience joy as a cleric? I think I have an interesting answer. Ooh, hot take. Because I think that a, in on the side of grief, I think that a non-choleric person would say that grief makes a choleric person angry. But that mm. is not the case, at least not with me. I'm saying like emotional grief, like the loss of a loved one or a pet or something like that does mm-hmm. not make me angry, even though you would think that the fire would make me angry. Mm-hmm. Personally, I, I don't spend very much time grieving because I am so forward focused and goal oriented. So if, if something happens, I, I think that I grieve a little bit cause I'm a normal person and I have the melancholic side that's less dominant, but I don't spend too much time there because I think, okay, what is the purpose of this? Like, what is this solving? Is this getting me any closer to my goals? No. Is this (laughs) fixing problems? No. Like, what is this doing? Probably just causing more problems. So I just need to move on to the next thing. And I know that's not a great answer. No, that's a perfect answer. That's if that's how you feel grief, is that that's how you grieve. Are you familiar with the stages of grief? Vaguely. Like denial, anger, bargaining. Bargaining. I think something acceptance. Isn't yes. there like five? I thought there was five, but we've 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 said four. So yeah, denial. Uh anger bargaining maybe it's just not sadness but like acceptance like um so maybe what's it 
what is it when you like give up on something when you just are like totally unresolved like you're just submission no um when you you lose hope hopelessness maybe oh maybe and then acceptance maybe i'm not sure and we're unprepared i'm sorry i i shouldn't have brought up that question but um i think what you're saying so you just go through all the stages really quick sorry (laughs) that's my question no no that's not what i was thinking you were gonna say i was thinking maybe we spend most of the time in denial Mm. like we got stuff to do like i'm sorry that that happened but i got this work thing to do and i've got this podcast episode to prepare for and i got this laundry that needs to be done you know and it's not the healthiest I'll, i'll be the first to say that it's not the healthiest we don't get to sit with our feelings unless we do it intentionally Unless we trick ourselves into thinking there's a purpose for sitting with our feelings, mm-hmm. we don't do it. Sure. Unless we crash, of course, which that does happen. But Yeah. And if you remember when we did our Sanguine episode, your husband, Cameron, he also said denial. Did you remember that? Yes. I do remember that they said that. I couldn't remember if it was Jacob or Cameron, but theirs is more just because... They're just like flighty all over the place and they sure. just like flit to something else. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. The purpose behind the denial or the reason for the denial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Really interesting. Yep. So I'd say that's how we, or that's how I deal with emotional grief. I also thought about like professional grief, like, if you perform poorly or you lose your job or you interview and you don't get the job Mm -hmm. or like you don't reach the goal that you were trying to reach, something like that, Mm -hmm. that one hurts. And it sounds heartless that that hurts more than some of the emotional grief, but that one hurts very badly for us because it is who we are. Achievers. Yes. We are hustle culture. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. (laughs) We are hustle grind set, as (laughs) Jen Fullweiler would say. Um, No, but we just... What was I saying? Oh, yeah. We internalize it because that's who we are. We achieve things and that's our identity. We get things done. We take thoughts and we put them into action and then when those don't go very well, it's a personal attack. It's an attack on our personality, our being, and can be very harmful to our self-esteem, which is where I think a lot of unhealthy cholerics can fall into pride or be unwavering because it's hard for us It's hard for anybody to be upset about their own personality or their own achievements or how something went. And since we're so firmly tied to those things, admitting that we're wrong or failing at something is much, much more vulnerable for us and much more hurtful. Mm. So I would say, like, it's not because... It doesn't seem prideful to me. It's not out of pride. It's out of letting those things happen or admitting those things is 
much, much more vulnerable for us than it would be for someone else. Like on the caliber of someone else telling us what they actually think about something, which is really vulnerable for them, really vulnerable for them, but really easy for us. Mm -hmm. Us admitting that we've failed or our failures being known to everyone is very vulnerable for us. Yeah, that's a great insight. That's a great insight for people who are trying to understand the choleric personality type who deal with uh, cholerics, not deal with, who have, uh, who are in close relationships with cholerics. Mm -hmm. And if we feel safe around you, it's okay. We'll let you know. But I think the dynamic that happens with cholerics sometimes is it becomes a war. If someone is upset about our achievements or maybe jealous of our achievements or envious of our achievements, Mm -hmm. they are waiting. They're waiting for us to waver. They're waiting for the crack in our foundation and they will be the first one to pick it out because it's a fight. Mm. So we kind of have to feel a little more safe around somebody to be a little bit more vulnerable with those things Mm, mm -hmm. so i don't know maybe if you find yourself with a choleric that seems to not be able to admit they're wrong think if there's anything you can do to make them feel more safe and still valued when they tell you that they've failed at something or done something wrong Mm. yeah would that be something you would appreciate people would ask of you maybe even directly what would make you feel more safe about admitting this place that you're vulnerable with or is that just are we just supposed to feel it out i don't really know is that a vulnerable question to ask i just don't think it can be asked because you won't even know about it unless you're already a safe person so true there's no asking. You either know about it or you don't know about it. Sure. Yeah. That is, that's deep. In some ways, I thinking back about these other three temper, or I'm sorry, the other two temperaments, and this is our third. Mm-hmm. I think there has been themes of vulnerability that people have shared of either you know, when we were talking to Sid, like what she would want her community to know or talking to Cameron and Jacob when Cameron was sharing about, um, gosh, it was, it was subtle. It was about maybe using humor as a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. and you know, that there is like something behind that, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of like digging deeper that Mm -hmm. like they do feel they're not just like the class clown like you know they're not just trying to put on a show all the time and so that you know thinking about it this is a good question of um what is really vulnerable what feels really vulnerable to you yeah i'll give you a good example yes please for our listeners Uh we have recorded an entire episode that we did not publish Because we're new at podcasting and we're trying things out and that's fine. But to post that episode would feel like broadcasting a failure to me. 
Mm. And I hope that you don't take that personally. I don't. But that's what it would feel like to a choleric person. May I ask a clarifying question upon that? Is it because the episode was not to your type A standard? Oh, yes. (laughs) That that inherently makes it a failure. (laughs) Clear cut, Stephanie. Clear Um, as day. Clear as day. I think so. It didn't go... It didn't go the way I saw it in my head, and I wasn't as prepared as I should have been for it because it wasn't really our type, and we were just trying out something new. Yeah, it wasn't. It just kind of wasn't aligned with our strengths. I think <laughs> it was a little all over the place. You're welcome, listeners. We didn't post it for the sake of you. Yes. Yeah. I just yeah, that's what it would have felt like of broadcasting failure. So Mm. maybe it would also be comforting to think about the choleric people in your life and know that they've had failures. They just don't share them. Interesting. Interesting. Very. Yeah. You know, when you think about like, who are those like Albert Einstein failed a million times at this or you know like they tried a million times and they failed this many Mm -hmm. times before they actually got it right Mm -hmm. Oprah yeah what about Oprah she was fired from her first job oh and told that she would never make it in broadcasting and in tv and television and Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team sure yeah I could go on let's think of failures (laughs) and you Um, just like yeah you just might not know about those things because, wait, I don't know. We just don't share that stuff. So it might think that it might seem like the rose colored glasses or like Instagram where like everything always works out and blah, blah, blah. But that's not true. We fail at things. We just don't share them mm-hmm. because it's damaging to our self-esteem when we share them. Nice. Yep. Good insight. Not not nice that it hurts your self-esteem. I didn't mean that. I know you didn't. <laughs> I said I meant that as like nice insight. Yeah. Um, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. Yeah. So joy. Yeah. Joy. Joy is a really quick answer. Um, you don't want to sit in joy for a little while? We can sit in joy. I don't know what that would achieve, <laughs> Stephanie. But. Touche. Go on. Joy being a fiery choleric is loud and obnoxious and energized. Like, as much as I don't like to be this person, like my my true unfiltered laugh is so obnoxious. Cameron makes fun of it all the time. Like, if I'm laughing at a meme in our house from any point, like... <laughs> regardless if he has headphones in or not he will hear it it just comes out as like a burst of laughter or i'm sure i've embarrassed him at restaurants or at like public events or we've been at parties before and i think something's really funny and i'm experiencing joy and i laugh really loud and the whole room gets quiet (laughs) because i just laughed (laughs) so obnoxiously and I'm thinking about the other choleric people in my life that I know. And I'm like, yep, they are also like really loud, obnoxious people when they're having a good time. Mm. So there you have it. The joy just 
comes out really loud and unfiltered and obnoxious. Mm. I I challenge that in some ways. Okay. Because I think you get a lot of joy from your husband when he's being silly. Uh, and I, I experience joy with you in small, silly ways, even if it's on the podcast where you're sharing some life update that just brings you a little joy. I mean, maybe true joy. Like you said, like that laugh that you hope no one hears because you just cannot contain it. That probably (laughs) it's really hard in people listening to the podcast in their ears because I laugh straight into the microphone. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Sure. I can experience joy quietly sometimes, but most of the time it's loudly and forcefully. Yeah. And I would like to reserve the right to be loud and forceful when I'm experiencing joy, but not everyone likes that. Oh, excuse our podcast dog for sneezing. (laughs) Not everyone likes that. Some people don't want attention called to them or Mm -hmm. they don't want you to be loud. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be challenging. Sure. Um. So can you give me an example of the last time you experienced joy or something that brought you joy? Or, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be at a party or, um, or anything like just something that made you really happy or joyful. I don't know. I would say like the most common or most recent ones were probably like funny memes (laughs) that I, or like funny videos on Instagram that I find and I just laugh really loud. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I just, I don't know. <laughs> so maybe it's a, it's a fiery joy. Yeah, I, I'm going to say like alcohol. If I am drinking alcohol, I get louder and more animated most of the time. So that's like the more choleric joy side okay so i'm wondering if with alcohol people turn into their temperament types oh sure do you get sad yes and emotional very very emotional it's usually you know you have those friends that are like i just love you i just really love you <laughs> that's I do that's that. emotional it's pretty emotional I you do, do have a melancholic side to you though yeah i do that sometimes but that usually less dominant melancholic yeah i mentioned that i think i'm like 75 percent choleric okay yeah and 25 percent melancholic but yeah yeah <laughs> that's another point for another day whether or not alcohol makes you who you truly are think of jacob and cameron with alcohol a little bit of alcohol and sydney just going with the, the flow falling asleep at the bar if you really want to know someone's <laughs> temperament see them after a couple drinks See what happens. <laughs> That's funny. I also realize we've been talking a really long time because I have a lot of notes because I'm choleric. And that's fine. I, I think that's great. Our listeners will love it. Um, so any advice for other choleric people out there? I know we've kind of mixed it in. Um, yes. But then I have some other some other bonus questions. So. More things. Okay. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I'll wrap up my thoughts on choleric before your bonus questions. Um, 
for the other choleric people out there, embrace the fact that you're truthful and trustworthy and that's authentically you and a lot of people aren't like that and prioritize practicing humility because we are prone to bore pride um schedule breaks so that you can take a break from your goal purpose oriented life um as a side note Sorry, I'm laughing at dogs in the background. <laughs> As a side note, I like to take, I've said this on one of our previous episodes, that I like to take Sabbath, and I'm realizing that I'm the only one in our friend group that really needs Sabbath. The rest of us don't, like, the rest of you guys don't need it. <laughs> and I keep advocating for it, and you all just keep going about your lives and feel perfectly fine, but I cannot function without it, because I need that break from my, like, purpose-oriented, detail-oriented life, Mm -hmm. and it has to be a scheduled break. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would disagree that we don't need it. I would agree that we haven't done it because I think that's part of our culture. But I think it's also a seasonal thing probably for me. I mean, I could could be wrong. Um, But I do think about it. I do ponder it. And I appreciate that you do it. I tell you, I even tell other people that you do it. So I admire it, clearly. I I challenge you (laughs) to pay attention to my mood on weeks when I took Sunday off versus weeks when I didn't take Sunday (laughs) off. And you will notice. Cameron knows. Cameron knows. Yeah. If I don't take my rest day or rest amount of time, I'm just not as good of a person the next week. Yeah. The person who knows you, arguably the best yeah lastly sorry Mm -hmm. for other choleric people Mm -hmm. remember that things that seem easy for you are not easy for non-cholerics so use that information to remind yourself that you have something special even though it feels really easy to organize these things and work out all the details and whatnot and you feel like it's not a big deal it is something special and also Give grace to your friends because it is not easy for them if they're not choleric, even though it seems easy for you. Mm-hmm. Especially the detail part. Yeah. Seems really easy for me. Mm. The first thing that comes to my mind, but mm-hmm. not easy for others. Sure. Okay. Those are my closing thoughts on advice for other choleric people. What are your bonus yeah. questions? Well, my bonus questions, we've kind of covered a little bit. So do you still want me to ask them? It's or, up to you. Okay. I think we have covered most of the... If, if it's the stuff that you sent me, we've covered most of it. Yes. Um, so then I'm going to turn to... Um, yeah, I think we have answered the questions that I had. So that's that's really cool because we kind of blended it in. But I want to play a fun game. Okay. <laughs> if any of you have seen the Friends episode with word associations. Now, you don't have to be very fast. You could be thought out. Because I don't want to put you in an ER type situation. (laughs) But I think it would be fun to hear what you have to say about these words that I bring up and what you associate with them. Okay. It's not a very big list. All right, let's hear it. Itinerary. Comforting. (laughs) Wedding planner. Competent. 
plans. I don't know. That can go a lot of different ways. Mm. Plans. Complicated, I would say. Mm. Okay. Binder. (laughs) (laughs) I would say appreciative. I'm not a binder gal myself, but I appreciate the work that goes into a binder. Mm. Good. (laughs) Supervisor. Leader. Mm. Strong. Okay, this is in the same vein, but I still want to ask it. Planner. Love it. (laughs) Leslie Nope. (laughs) When Leslie Nope was making her online dating profile, (laughs) and you're supposed to write down the things that um, you enjoy doing, Mm -hmm. one of her suggestions was jamming on my planner. (laughs) And I have used that in more than one conversation. Yes, that's basically what I wanted you to bring up. Perfect. Uh, and the last word is melancholic. Emotional. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. Yeah. I'm not saying it a good way or a bad way, just emotional. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you kind of covered this, but any stereotypes that you'd like to clarify about being a cleric? Um, you covered a, a little of them. Or yeah, about like why we seem argumentative, why we're, we seem cold, or we seem prideful or proud a lot of the time. I think I clarified most of those. Yes, you did. Yeah. yeah. We're not that bad, okay? We're just <laughs> fire. I, yeah, I think clerics are great. Having a plan, having somebody to turn to with calculated advice uh having someone who wants to break things down into little pieces for you especially when you're in an emotional state as Mm -hmm. i often find myself in Mm -hmm. is very comforting like you said itineraries comforting (laughs) yeah yeah um well it was a joy to to question you about the choleric temperament uh and and to learn about about these things yes i had a lot to share because <laughs> i prepared a lot for this mostly because i needed to you know recover the choleric name bring justice to the choleric name because if you google it the first words that pop up are really mean not cool google <laughs> not cool other temperament people so you had to clear the name yes yeah so for our last podcast on the Semperment series, we'll be covering Melancholic. Mm-hmm. And um, until next time. It'll be delightful. It will be delightful. Have a great week. <laughs>